I'll say a few things about mudita practice before we begin, as people are coming in and getting settled. When uh, I first practiced mudita, um, it really was outstanding in the fact that it was an encouragement to feel joy, an encouragement to celebrate the welfare of others and to make that a central part of your practice for that moment. And I found it hard to uh, reconcile that with things like the first noble truth about the pervasiveness of suffering and disappointment. And so I didn't know how to do those two. I didn't know how to combine those two. And over time, with an integration of wisdom and compassion, um, there is a beautiful place on the path to celebrate the welfare of others, to celebrate the good fortunes of others. And especially if they are wholesome, if they are uh, beautiful things happening for somebody else, to take that time and recognize that um, as people are going through their lives, uh, anything can happen at any moment. And so to stop and actually feel that joy, feel that connection, feel that alignment with other people's welfare and uh, um, find nutrition in that. Find your own heart's resonance with the obvious good fortunes that are happening for yourself and for others. It actually uh, helps mature the understanding of dukkha, not that life is suffering, which is one of the worst translations, but that there are beautiful moments and they tend to be transient. But just because they're transient doesn't mean that you don't celebrate them. So when beautiful things happen for yourself or for others, even though they tend to be passing experiences, they're just as worthy of recognition as honoring, as rejoicing, as celebrating. And it's just as much a development of your own wisdom and your own free heart to resonate with the well-being and the happiness uh, that others are experiencing. So that's one part of it, is it actually does help you mature your relationship to the Four Noble Truths, to allow yourself to find the wisdom and the love that flows when you look around and you see other people uh, having good experiences. So that may take time to really reconcile those two, but they do reconcile. So there is a place, as uh, James has been encouraging us, there is a place for joy and celebration. This word uh, rejoicing seems to be kind of falling out of a lot of use, but it's in a lot of old music. Um, so people rejoice. I have a friend who uses the word rejoice. And it was odd because I hadn't heard some people use the word rejoice, but it's delightful when he says rejoice. And he truly does rejoice in my well-being. And if any good thing happens, it's like, ah, I rejoice in your welfare. And he's sincere. And so I've actually recovered this word, rejoice. I like it. <laughs> and I look around, I'm like, yeah, I rejoice in your welfare. I rejoice in your happiness. I rejoice in the tranquility I see in you. I, enjoy, I rejoice in the hard work you're doing and how that's led to your own wisdom. And I rejoice in the tranquility you've been experiencing and the faith that you have. 
So I rejoice in your accomplishments on this path. And it's not, it, it doesn't, it gives me actually a lot of pleasure, strangely enough, to put all of my attention on your welfare. And that's really where mudita becomes a clean and beautiful expression of a free heart that it's giving me a lot of pleasure, but the totality of my attention is not on my pleasure, but on your pleasure, on your well-being. Mudita practice also helps because when there is a lot of suffering, one of the things that happens, we get scarce around well-being. We start feeling shaky in terms of, am I ever going to feel well-being? Am I going to feel secure? Am I ever going to feel safe? Is there enough safety to go around? Is it a scarcity? And so seeing other people have something, if I'm not in my wakeful state, I might feel like I'm being left behind because somebody else is having a good day. That happens more in certain things where you're envious, where you want that outcome, and then you see other people having it. And rather than than proving it can be had, we can contract and think, "Uh uh-oh, they got it, I can't. Early on when um, some of my peers were being invited to teach, and I was being invited to teach, but not. I, I still worried about it a little bit, a little concerned about it. And someone would be invited to teach on a retreat, and there'd be this sense of, I am happy for them, but I worry if that's a statement about me. And if I hadn't practiced mudita practice, I wouldn't have caught it right there, just a little turning towards, uh-oh, what about me? Is their welfare a sign of my lack of welfare? That's really the beginning of envy or contraction. Seeing a, a happy couple just fall in love in a time where you're looking for a relationship. Does that inspire you? Oh, look, it can be done. I rejoice. It's not happening for me right now, but I see that it is happening. So here we go. It's possible. Or is it a sense like, oh my God, all these people are falling in love and it's not for me. And somehow I'm the one who's broken. It looks so easy for them. And when's it going to happen for me? And I can't even look at them. It's so painful. (laughs) Oh, God. Isn't there anybody else who's struggling? Oh, you are? Yeah. It's it's when you look for misery and find your company and consolation versus, you guys did it. So can I. (laughs) And just living out the, the joy of other people's ascension out of the type of suffering that can come, the type of hardships that are, are at any moment we can trip into to see that people do make their way into beautiful situations, wherever that may be. So <clears throat> it cleans up that, uh, that sense of scarcity, that there's only so much joy to go around, the what about me, worried about your own welfare, into somebody else's ascension into fortune. Why does that have to say anything about you? Or if it does, why can't it be a shared sense that we can do this? And I'm on board with your happiness and your happiness is my happiness. So it cleans up the opposite that can come, that sort of competitiveness and the worry and sense of scarcity that there's only so much uh, welfare to go around if that is a pattern that visits you. And then there are other things that you'll discover that may be specific to you. 
around how does your heart relate to seeing other people in beautiful situations? And where is that easy? And where is that difficult? You know, it's very easy to see uh, children laughing and just rejoice in their laughter. And you'd be hard-pressed to, what are you gaining from that? What are you getting out of that? It's like nothing, it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful to see. And that's mudita. That's where it's easy to find mudita because it's hard to actually find some other way, some corruption of it. And then, like all the other Brahmaviharas, we spread it and we find where it's dim, where it doesn't seem to grow, where it's not very strong, or places where it seems blocked and we can't find mudita. We can't find that sympathetic, joyful resonance with somebody else's welfare. And we can inquire into that. What is it about this situation that that person's welfare somehow is a loss for me or is not inspiring for me? And that may come tomorrow when we look uh, look at um, difficult beings. But for now, we're still tuning into it, still trying to find the easy access to mudita, where we can uh, get to know the tone of it, see how to encourage it, and then explore. If you find it in one place, can you find it in several places? Can you find it with a group or category of beings? So that's what we'll do today. We'll, uh, again, start where it's easiest, and that's where you can even begin, and then begin expanding off that into larger, easy categories to see. When the, marta, when the mind is in the flow of loving-kindness, when the mind is in the flow of mudita, the sympathetic joy, then you look around the world and see, oh, it's actually so easy to see here, and I can really celebrate that, celebrate uh, the hard work of some teenager who's had incredibly difficult experiences, but they persevered and they're graduating from high school and really honor that hard work and that achievement or anything where your heart is inspired to find this uh, sympathetic joy. So again, it's helpful in all these times when we're practicing the Brahma Viharas not to be um, sitting with optional physical pain. And if there is some physical pain and it's just there, you have to allow it to be there and find your best relationship to it. But other than that, find a posture that's comfortable and let your body become happy and still and settled. Take a few deep breaths and settle into the flow of present time experiences. And then let your mind be drawn towards any place where there is celebration, any place where you would rejoice, where you are uplifted, where you are inspired. The mind goes into a joyful state because of the fortunes or the accomplishments the creations of others. 
And again, see what comes to your heart, what comes to your mind. And the easiest category is what we call the benefactors. The ones where our hearts find their easiest positive expression. And then when you can tune into anything, any being that you can celebrate and see them in a joyful or happy or accomplished moment, consider the beauty of that moment, the uplifting nature the appreciation, the joy that can arise in you as you let your attention sink into and recognize the good fortunes, the happy, beautiful, joyful times of others. And you might find you can steady your attention with a repeated phrase. It might be something like, I celebrate your happiness. I celebrate your hard work and the joy that's come from it. I delight in your welfare. Play with the phrase until it's sincere that as you say the phrase, it's not a rote repetition, but it matches the expression of your heart. I honor your happiness.
I delight in your accomplishment. I rejoice in your welfare. See if you can find a starting place that's relatively easy and not complex. The joy of good friends, people you respect, the laughter of children, If you're enjoying one being, you can stay there, or one group, or you can let your attention expand a little and see if anybody else, any other people or animals, healthy ecosystems, you can celebrate their health. expanding to some other place 
where it's easy to feel this resonant joy based in the happiness and well-being and joy of others. And you can turn your attention towards yourself and rejoice and celebrate and feel joy for your own welfare, 
for your own accomplishments, for the strength that you have, the beauty that moves through you. Celebrate yourself, take joy in yourself. Hold yourself as a dear and precious being. To be celebrated. Celebrate your inner beauty, your patience, your tender heart, your courage, find joy in the times that you've had ease, that you've felt love. Celebrate the 10,000 cells that make up your body, working in perfect unison. Each one doing miraculous feats. Celebrate this body. This heart in this mind. Celebrate the hardness of your teeth and the soft touch of your fingers. the steady beating of your heart. Rejoice in the miracle of who you are.
I rejoice in my own welfare. And then opening up your attention 
to your fellow yogis in this room and around the campus. I celebrate your hard work. I delight in your persistence. I take joy in what beautiful things you've experienced here. I delight in your insights. I'm happy you've known tranquility. I celebrate the freeing of your heart. I take delight in your well-being. I honor and rejoice in your accomplishments.
and letting your heart expand further than this room in any way it wants to go to take joy and to celebrate the happiness, the well-being, the good fortunes, even if they're temporary, of any other beings. I delight in the beauty of your heart. I rejoice in the strength of your body. I celebrate those things you do so well. Your joy is my joy.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.